Well, if you watched that video, which you just all did, uh, here is what you now know for sure. That Apple is wanting to make it very clear to you that you are more powerful if you have one of their phones. Did any of you miss that? No. If you have their latest phone, which I don't, so I'm still weak. But if you have their latest phone and if you have all these amazing apps that will all cost you some money, you are more powerful than you think. So you can all go home now feeling good about yourself, don't you? Say, like, that's easy, that's so easy. But that was the message behind this simple, easy commercial. Well, it's hardly easy because I'm sure that took a lot of time making. But that was the message that they wanted you to leave with, is that you have more strength than you think, but it comes at you having to have their product. And so... Um, I think that's just one of those things that they want you to imagine the power that you have in your hands. Imagine what you could all do if only you had the right phone. And so this morning I want to talk about strength. I want to talk about power. Because there are a lot of these kind of things, these kind of commercials that are going to come into our lives in different areas and different places and different, different um, avenues that are going to come into our lives and they're going to say to you, if you have this or if you have this, you're going to have a, you know, you're going to be a more powerful person or you're going, to be, you're going to have more strength. You're going to be able to overcome certain things. But here's what you need. You need this or you need this. Clearly this microphone gives me strength. I'm able to project my voice in a way that is far more powerful than if I did it without a microphone. I would have to yell at the top of my lungs and most likely lose my voice in no time. So there's, there's things like that that come into your, our lives and they say, if you have this, if you would only have this, then you will have more power, you'll have more strength than you think. So I want us to think for a moment about strength. Okay? I want us to think of this question. What gives you strength? What are the things in your lives right now that give you strength? What are the things that you depend on for strength? Maybe it's the leverage of influence that you have. And you love it when you have this leverage of influence. And when you go into a room or you go into a meeting, you kind of know that when you're there or you're on a team, when you're there, that you can leverage your influence. And so maybe that's one of those things that you feel gives you strength. Maybe it's the size of your bank account. When there's five bucks in there, you don't feel nearly as strong as when there's $5,000 in there. Okay? So you've got maybe a certain bank account, and when there's more money in there, now suddenly you feel a little bit more equipped, you feel a little bit more powerful, you feel a little bit more strong. Maybe it's your marriage. When your marriage is going really well, then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? There are some challenges that come my way, but man, I've got this incredible marriage, and I'm married to the right person, and, and we're working together, and, and so then it's your marriage that gives you strength. Uh, maybe it's your career that you're in, and you see nothing but possibilities. You see nothing but opportunities, and, and so you're so thankful that you've chosen the career that you're in because as long as you're in this career, you can just see that things are going to continue to go forward for you. Or maybe it's the friends that you have, and the list could go on and on and on. We all have things in our lives that we feel give us strength, that we feel that empower us in some way, and we depend on this strength all the time. We depend on the strength every single day as we go through our day. When, when certain things come up that we hadn't expected, we depend on the things that give us strength to help us through that day. And, and all those things that I mentioned, they're all good. And so I want to ask now the next question. For those of us who are Christians, 
What gives you strength as a Christian? What are the things that you would say, this gives me strength, or this empowers me as a Christian? Now, if you're not a Christian, you're still looking for something that will give you strength even through the things that you know these other things are not going to give you enough strength for. So very often people say, well, I, I don't believe in Christianity, but I'm spiritual, and I totally get that. But as Christians, what are the things that you would say give you strength to be able to follow Jesus and to do the things that he has commanded you to do and to be a, a solid Christian who isn't swayed easily and who doesn't quickly give in to temptations and those kind of things? What are the things that you would say gives you strength? Now, I think the Sunday school answer or the answer that most of us would immediately jump to, we would say, well, as a Christian, my strength comes from Jesus. And you would be right. That's a great Sunday school answer. It's a, it's a great answer. It's the right answer. But I wonder if we really know what we mean by that. So our strength comes from Jesus. But you have to ask yourself, is it really as easy as that? Is it really as easy as saying, you know, when I'm in a, when I'm in a pickle or when I'm, I'm stuck in something or I'm emotionally discouraged or I'm down, um, my strength comes from Jesus and there, voila, it's all taken care of. Because if it were that easy, if all we had to do is say, my strength is in Jesus, then why is it that so many Christians struggle so much? Why do more Christians not make a greater impact in their community? Why do Christians often come across as cowards? And why do we struggle with sin? Why, do we some, why are we sometimes so weak when it comes to standing up for our faith? If, if all it means is for us to say Jesus is our strength, then surely His strength would be enough for us and we would not struggle in any of these areas. I think Jesus addresses this very issue in Luke chapter 4, and I'd love for you to turn there. Luke chapter 4, we're just going to look at four quick verses today. Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. And, and he's giving this impressive reminder of the importance of putting into practice the things that we have just heard him say. And look at how he starts this. Luke chapter 6, <clears throat> verses 46. He asks this question. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. It's almost like he's a little perplexed and he's, he's wondering, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not obey me? Now Jesus is asking this question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, which when you say Lord, Lord, it's, it's admitting and it's emphasizing our allegiance to him. But we're doing it only in word. When you say Lord to someone, when you call someone your Lord, you are admitting allegiance to that person. And to repeat that phrase twice is to say, or to repeat that word twice in a sentence like that is to say, I want to emphasize that you are my Lord. So Jesus is saying, you are calling me your Lord, and you're saying it twice. You're emphasizing, you're saying, Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. Why would you do that? It's kind of like calling your spouse a darling and honey and precious and then treating them like dirt. It's words only, but actions are very different than the words that are coming out of, out of your mouth. And so Jesus here is saying, like, I don't understand why you do this. Why, why are you doing this? Why do you call me your master? Why do you call me your Lord and then not do what I tell you? 
I think, again, it's, it's similar to us calling someone our boss and saying, yeah, that's my boss, but I don't do a thing he tells me to do. If I don't want to go to work, I don't go to work, but he's my boss. And we would immediately look at that and say, well, what's well, a weird relationship that you have there? Because if he's your boss, then he's your boss. We all understand that. So imagine in the same way Jesus is looking at us now going, you're calling me Lord, Lord. You're emphasizing that I'm your Lord, but you won't do what I tell you to do. Jesus is not even asking why we're not listening to him. He's not even wondering why we won't do the things that he tells us to do. He's more concerned of the question of why would we identify him as our Lord if we're not even going to do what he has asked us to do. And I want us to all wrestle with this question because I think this question and this is the basis for why some of us don't have any strength as believers in Jesus. Is we're verbally calling him something that our lives are not portraying. He goes on in verse 47, he says, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. So Jesus is saying, I want to paint you a picture of what it looks like when someone does the things that I've commanded them to do. And when someone responds to the very things that I have told them to do. So this person comes to Jesus. They're not forced to come. They, they come to Jesus on their own terms. Then they hear what Jesus has to say and what the teacher teaches. And then when it's on them, when, when Jesus is done and he's given their instructions and when it's upon them, they then go and put those things into practice. And Jesus outlines here what it will look like when they respond to the message. He says, first the person comes to Jesus, hears the words that he says, and then the key thing I want you to walk away with today is he puts them into practice. Now what do we mean by puts them into practice? You see, this person who hears the message of Jesus takes notice of the words of Jesus. These words made an impact on this person. And in order for that to happen, they have to be obedient to what Jesus said. You can hear me preach all you want, but that doesn't mean I'll ever have an impact on you. You can read the Bible all you want, but that doesn't mean it'll ever have an impact on you unless you actually take the words that you read and apply them to your life and put them into practice. So Jesus is saying that the person who's obedient, the one who says, Lord, Lord, that that's the person who puts into practice the things that Jesus says. So Jesus says, I'm going to show you what this person's life is like. I'm going to give you a picture of what it looks like when the person hears these words of mine, hears, hears his words, puts them into practice. This is what this person's life will look like. And I think that you and I ought to take notice this morning. He, he now gives the final picture or the closing picture in verse 48. This is now the picture of what it looks like for the person who puts into practice the things that Jesus says. Verse 48. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. So the picture Jesus uses here is of someone building a house. And he says, I want to give you a picture of what it looks like when someone puts into practice the things that I have taught. And he says it looks like this. It's, it's like someone building a house. 
It's not how they built, it's, sorry, it's how they built that makes all the difference. It's not that they built the house because we're going to see in a little bit that the other person also builds a house. But it's how they build this house that makes all the difference. The one who obeys the teaching of Jesus, who puts into practice what Jesus taught, digs down deep. I remember way back, uh, a few years back, when we added a little addition to our house, and so I had the, the people come in that were going to do the foundation for me, and they said, okay, here's what you got to do. you got to dig down so and so deep. And, and of course, I'm immediately looking, I'm, can I get a backhoe or something into my backyard, because I don't really want to do this by hand. And so I couldn't get any equipment in there, and so I got digging, and you know, they told you the, how deep it was supposed to go, and you know, you get your tape measure out, and you're like, oh, still a foot short. And the tempting thing at that moment is to say, you know what, good enough, good enough. But the person who was going to pour the foundation, they're like, no, it has to be certain depth or maybe a little deeper. And so it was hard work. And so Jesus here is saying that the person who puts into practice the things that he has taught is building a house, but before he builds his house, he is digging down deep in order to put a foundation in. This person is willing to do the work. He's willing to dig deep. He's engaged. He's listening. And he does the things that he is supposed to do. Then he lays that foundation on a solid rock. He's dug down deep, and he, when he's found that solid rock, when he's found that solid foundation, that's where he then goes and lays his foundation. This is essential to sound building, but also time-consuming and hard work, and many, many people want to avoid this altogether. Sometimes we are tempted to try to just have a relationship with Jesus that is a verbal relationship where we call him something, but we are not willing to go and do the hard work of understanding and putting into practice the things that he has commanded us to do. But the person who puts into practice the things that Jesus has said, they lay a deep foundation. They dig deep, they lay a foundation that is on a rock, something that doesn't shift when storms come and storms will come. Now we could say this morning that that foundation that this person lays their house on, the foundation that they build on is, is obviously Jesus, it's the truth. They dig deep, they understand the teachings of Jesus and they place their foundation on Him. Then when the floods come, they have more to stand on than just Lord, Lord, verbally. They have more to stand on because they have dug down deep, they've laid their foundation, and they are not swept away easily, or they are not swept away at all by the storms that come in life. Now look at the picture of that Jesus now draws of the person who doesn't put into practice the things that Jesus says. Here's what it says. But the one who hears my word, my words, and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its, and its destruction was complete. Now we see the result of the one who comes, same as the first person, hears the teachings of Jesus, same as the first person, but then when it's on them, when it's, when it's on them on how they're going to respond and what they're going to do, 
with what they have heard and with what Jesus has taught, this person does not put into practice what he has heard. They call Jesus Lord, but they do nothing with, what, with it. They don't put into practice, and we can use this word, they are not obedient. This person, it's interesting to note, also builds a house. I want you to understand that even though you don't put into practice the things that Jesus teaches, you are building something. And you are going to build something that is going to be based on you rather than on Christ. This person will do something with their life. This person is going to, though, take the easy route. They're going to cut corners. They're, they're not going to plan ahead. They're not going to dig in. They're not going to waste their time with things like that. They're going to build on their own foundation and whatever is easiest, and they're going to build on the foundation of whatever is nearby instead of digging in to the truth. Now, the reality is this person may build a very impressive house. As a matter of fact, we could argue this person may build a more impressive house because they haven't spent time on as time or energy on the foundation. And so they may have a beautiful looking house. So although they have this incredible house, I want you to understand today, it's the strength of that house that is in question, not how it looks on the outside. It's the strength of that house that is in question, and it will soon be tested. <coughs> we read here that when the storm came, the house was struck, just like the first one, and like the fir- um, unlike the first one, though, when the torrent struck this house, it collapsed and it was completely destroyed. The second ber- person built a house just like the first one, but the picture Jesus draws here is that it had no strength because it had no foundation. Now there's a phrase here, it says it was completely, this, its destruction was complete, which means that this house was never rebuilt. This is a reference to the judgment that will one day come to those who refuse to follow Jesus and who will face eternal destruction because of it. So what gives a Christian strength? What is the picture that Jesus is trying to draw for you and I here today? Jesus is asking you and I, if you're not putting into practice the things that I have taught, why do you call me Lord, Lord? If you're not putting into practice the things that I have taught, the things that you have heard me say, why would you then call me Lord as if you are listening and as if you are putting into practice? And Jesus has drawn for us this beautiful picture, this scary picture in a sense of what it looks like when we do place Him as the foundation of our lives. So what gives you and I as Christians our strength? Your strength as a Christian is based on the foundation of, of Jesus. And you cannot be on this foundation when you do not put into practice the things that Jesus has instructed and commanded us to do. The person who puts into practice the teachings of Jesus builds a strong house. And the only way to build on that foundation is to put the teachings of Jesus into practice and to live in obedience to what Scripture has said. It's the word obedience that I think many of us struggle with. We don't necessarily like this word. It's not the most popular word in our culture. When we hear the word obedience, we, we, we don't feel good about ourselves very often. When, when someone's told that you're supposed to be obedient to that person, 
The tendency in us is that we want to push back. We, we don't necessarily like to be in obedience to someone. And yet, I think that's what we're called to do as believers, or I know that that's what we're called to do as believers. See, when we work for someone, we're all of a sudden saying, you know what, I just can't take this anymore. And so we'll start our own business. Nothing wrong with starting our own business, but I've heard so many people say, the only reason I started my own business is because I don't like being told what to do. So I like being my own boss. We want to be in charge. We want to be the ones giving orders. We want to be the ones who is in, in control. We want to be the ones giving direction. And I fear that sometimes this is the same attitude or approach with which we play out our relationship with Jesus. We want to be in charge. So Jesus is challenging you and I today in this, and he's saying, why would you say I'm in charge, but you don't want me to be in charge, or you won't let me be in charge? Jesus' main message here is, just saying, Lord, Lord, isn't enough. Just coming to church and saying, Jesus is my Lord, and, and Jesus is the one who I get my strength from, that in itself isn't enough. We need to put into practice the things that we are reading and the things that we have heard from him. A few weeks ago, during the um, malnourished courage um, sermon, I challenged all of you to do a five-minute-a-day Bible reading. And I want to ask, but I won't ask, but I know that many of you are doing this. And I've heard from a lot of you that are saying this has completely changed a lot of things in your lives. The, the, the most common thing I'm hearing from people is, I, I started with five minutes, but it didn't take long, and now I'm doing ten minutes, and, and sometimes I catch myself reading for long periods of time, and, and it's this joy almost back in your life of saying, I'm reading the Bible again, and it feels good. Can I just caution us now to say, I'm glad that you're reading your Bible, and those of you that are not doing the five-minute-a-day challenge, I challenge you again, read your Bible for five minutes a day. But let's make sure that we are doing more than just opening it up, turning our timer on, quickly reading for five minutes. Oh good, I got my five minutes in. Closing the book up and never putting into practice the things that we have heard. Jesus would say to you and I when we do that, and if we do that, why? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you waste your time reading if you're not going to put any of this into practice? Why do you insist that I'm in charge of your life, but you won't let me rule your life? So I want to challenge you and I again today that we would know that we find our strength in Jesus only when we put into practice the things that he has commanded us to do. You will not be able to one day, and the Bible tells us that one day many are going to come to the throne of God, and they're going to, you know, they, Jesus says, they have called me Lord, but they don't know me, and I won't know them. And so many people, I think, have this idea that their relationship with Jesus is just this verbal commitment that they've made. It's more than that. It's obedience to him in everything and in every day. This is not to sound gloom and doom, but let me just read what I wrote here. I fear that we as North American Christians are not maturing on our faith at a pace that is preparing us for the persecution that I fear will one day come. You hearing what I'm saying? 
I fear that we as North American Christians are not maturing in our relationship with Jesus at a pace that is preparing us for the persecution that I think is one day going to come. What are you going to do, friends, if one day you are going to have to make a choice between Jesus and your life? If we have not understood Scriptures, if we have not based our strength on a solid foundation, at that moment, I think, we may be tempted to give up. But here's maybe a more subtle way that we would be tempted and not even know it, or a way that we would be challenged and persecuted without even knowing it, is that that Satan would come along and, and he would twist the truth just enough for us to not feel that we are fully disobedient to God. But because we haven't studied God's Word and because we haven't put His Word into practice, we don't even realize that we are being lied to and that, we are being, that the truth is being twisted. So if you want to find strength in your relationship with Jesus, it starts by reading and hearing what He said, but it doesn't end there. We must put into practice the things that we have heard. So church, I know that some of you are being challenged. A lot of you are going back to school. And you're going to be challenged. This is for you grade school kids, high school kids, university and college kids. You're going back to school this week. I know I wasn't supposed to say school today, and I did. Parents, you're, going to, you're sending your kids to school where their agenda is not to glorify God necessarily. You're in workplaces where the conversation isn't always to the glory of God. So I challenge you today... <clears throat> To build on a solid foundation so that when you are tested, when your relationship with Jesus is tested, that you will find yourself on a solid footing and a solid foundation. That is my prayer for you um, as a church and that is my prayer for myself. So let me close in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your son Jesus. And I think these words can easily come across as... um, harsh or judgmental or anything like that, but God, I pray that today we would just examine ourselves to see where we stand with you. And we would be willing to ask ourselves, are we calling Jesus Lord, Lord, but not really doing anything he's telling us to do? And if that's the case, Father, I pray that we would repent. And I pray, God, that we would not build on a foundation that's based on what we want or one that's or not not build a house that's easy to build but one that takes time one that takes work and that we would be willing to do whatever you have called us to do i pray these things in jesus name amen